So question 38, if you'll join me in the answer. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Revelation 21.3 says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Uh, This section of the Catechism is is very beautiful, is it not? In its summaries of... um, uh, here, what's to come? We looked last week, as we'll review in a moment, at question 37, what happens when we die? And, and now we look to the very end of time, or the beginning of eternity, uh, to what happens at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that, um, sometimes I get chills, that verse from Revelation, that uh, everything has come to this. Uh, God has promised, remember, all the way back in Genesis 3.15, um, that there would be a people, uh, that he would send his son, uh, that he would be their God, they would be his people, and we see this fulfilled at the very end of time. Well, as we think about the very end of things, um, who, I'm curious by a show of hands, who likes to look at the ending of a book before you start the beginning of a book? Is, does anybody do this? Oh, okay. <laughs> Calvin's calling out. She used to do it. Okay, used to do it. Okay. finally trained her. Okay. He would block off the back of the book. Um, yeah, typically it, 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 in our Western culture, we, we very much like suspense. And so that keeps us from looking at the back of the book. Uh, who's ever reread a book that you've read before? Yes. Who's ever re- rewatched a movie that you've watched yeah. before? Yeah, oh, man, Nancy's gone the whole other way. She's like, no, I just want the new story. It, it's interesting. Uh, it, we have this love and fascination for all things sort of new. And, and, and it is exciting. The first time you have a story, you don't know where it's going. Um, but there's a reason we come back to movies and stories again and again, even knowing the ending. Sometimes it actually enriches, uh, that's not a word, but your experience of, of the beginning of the story. You say, oh, yeah, that's heading this way. And, oh, that character is going to have a turn later. And, and it's fun to see how things come together. Well, as, as Christians, there's certainly still mystery. And we're going to be so surprised when we see Christ one day. Uh, but as Christians with our scriptures, we know the end from the beginning. Uh, he has spoiled it, as it were. He has told us where history is heading. He has told us that Christ will come back, that he will raise his people. Um, and this very much affects our life uh, now. And so as we look at this catechism question, uh, we really uh, come to the end of what we've uh, called, uh, remember we've talked about redemption accomplished, which is what Christ did. It's in the past tense. And when he died on the cross, when he rose again, he accomplished salvation for us. For the past few months, we've been looking at redemption applied uh, all the way from uh, when our hearts are changed and we hear the gospel call and when we uh, believe in him by faith and we're justified. And we've been following, as it were, uh, you know, Romans eight twenty nine through 30. Um, did I put that in your handout? I don't think I did. So Romans, uh, you, you'll know these verses, just that we call it the, uh, the, the golden chain. Those whom he foreknew. He also predestined, right, to be conformed to the image of his son. And skipping ahead, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also what? Glorified. Glorified. And, and don't you love that Paul, it, in, at least in English, it sounds like it's like past tense. Um, it, it, it's so sure. He's saying those whom he, if you go from the very beginning, those whom he predestined or foreknew, 
they will be glorified. They will rise again with Christ, even with glorified bodies. And so knowing the end from the beginning, meditating on that allows us to live our Christian life even now. And so let's uh, dive in. And uh, just by way of review, you'll see question 37 put there for you again. Uh, Just because these two questions could certainly take much more uh, of our time. Uh, These are areas of of teaching that perhaps don't get as much airtime. I know growing up um, uh, in the church I came to faith, good gospel preaching church, but question 37 probably would have sounded a little bit strange to my ears growing up. Um, And we were talking around the dinner table about this idea of an intermediate state. Um, But but look at question 37. Uh, Last week, just by way of summary, we we, it, it basically asks the question and answers, what happens to our souls when we die and what happens to our bodies when we die? And you could see that in the answer. The souls, number one, of believers are at their death, made perfect in holiness, right? There's no more sin. Uh, they do immediately pass into glory uh, where Christ is. And it, again, like the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And what happened to our bodies? Uh, their bodies being still united to Christ do rest in their graves until the resurrection. And so we talked about this intermediate state, this strange point in human history, the only time when our soul and our bodies will not be in the same place. Um, And that means for believers, we're in paradise with Christ. That means for unbelievers, uh, there's different words the New Testament uses, including hell. Uh, But even for unbelievers, there's a temporary state uh, where, where they wait to be resurrected with their bodies for an eternal um, uh, for an eternal uh, establishment in hell. And so this intermediate state, a little bit strange, maybe to your ears, um, and not all Christians agree on this doctrine or exactly how we just said it. The beauty is that, you know, if the Lord took us all home today and a few of us were wrong about the details, it'd be okay <laughs> uh, because we would see Christ. Um, either way, I think anyone who disagrees would would, would agree with that verse today you will be with me in paradise, right? So even if the details are, are something we can work out together. But all that brings us to, if, if the last question said, our bodies rest in the grave until the resurrection, then question 38 gets to the resurrection. What benefits do believers receive at the resurrection? And, and you saw they're being raised up in glory, openly acknowledged and acquitted on the day of judgment, made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. And so let's just very briefly, I, I want to structure it in these next few minutes. What is going to cease to exist at the resurrection as a way of putting this? And I'll kind of move us through the catechism question. But I think it's a helpful way of saying there are many things that will continue. Uh, we, we talked around the table that presumably we will recognize other believers, we'll be worshiping together as God's people. Um, many things will continue. Uh, but there are certain things that will cease to exist in the experience of believers in the new heavens and the new earth when when Christ comes back and establishes the new heavens, the new earth. Number one, there will be no more separation from the body. Uh, So we just talked about that. It says that the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory, um, uh, we're brought back in union with our bodies, raised like Christ with a glorious, uh, glorified body. Um, free of decay and et cetera. And, and, and this means that uh, every believer's body, right? Not, uh, you know, if, if um, 
if, if the body is decomposed or if, or if fire has taken the body by accident or otherwise, um, do you think God is able to bring together um, our bodies? Yes, he, he is able to do this uh, and resurrect them. Philippians 3.21 says, He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So you say, is he powerful enough to do it? Uh, he's able to subject all things to himself. He will give us a body like Christ's. So no more separation from the body. And number two, sort of related, no more infirmity. Uh, no more effects of aging or sickness or weakness. It says that the resurrection believers being raised up in, in glory. Again, this, these glorified bodies. We, we won't be like God in the sense that we're unlimited or we're omnipresent. Uh, we, we, we will still be limited. We'll still be creatures. But we'll no longer be affected by age, uh, by weakness, by sickness. Um, and so, um, uh, in one sense, we all experience this, right? Whether age or sickness or cancer or at um, varying degrees in our lives, but certainly all of us, if the Lord gives us many years, will experience these things more and more. Um, even the healthiest life, even, even the person who lives to 110 and is still going for a 10-mile run every day, is, is still facing the effects of the fall, and their body still will give out on them at some point, but not in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, I think it gives maybe a, a Isaiah forty thirty one. we could certainly apply now that he gives us strength, but think of it in terms of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a glorious hope, isn't it? That one day aging, sickness, death will be no more. Number three, there will be no more tears. No more tears or, or sadness or uh, loss. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Uh, that means um, every loss of a loved one, every painful betrayal, every gut-wrenching goodbye, every season of depression, every dark night of the soul, uh, all done away with. Um, don't you love that personal note that he will wipe away every tear you know, we've all had moments where a parent or a loved one, right in the midst of some, as kids or as adults, we've had someone hold us and say something like, it's okay, it's going to be okay. And that's a genuine thing to say, but in this fallen world, right, it's qualified. It's, it, it's not saying I promise that, that the hardness is going to end, the difficulty is going to end, but on a deeper level, it's going to be okay. But that day, Christ will be able to say literally, it's, it's all right, it's okay, <laughs> This is over with. There's no more tears. Number four, there's no more injustice. And no more injustice or persecution for believers especially. Uh, look at that line in the catechism. It, it says, at the resurrection, believers being raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted at the day of judgment. Openly acknowledged and acquitted at the day of judgment. Um. Whereas now, that's, that, that's not what we're promised, right? 
Our believers in this world promise that we will be openly acknowledged and acquitted before the watching world. No, we might even be put to death for our faith. This side of heaven, this side of the new heavens and the new earth. Romans 8.36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Or 1 Peter 4, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Right? The New Testament writers are saying this isn't strange. This is actually more normal <laughs> is that a Christian would be persecuted, uh, that there would be injustice being done against uh, him or her uh, in this world as we're pilgrims, as we are um, uh, scorned like Jesus was scorned. And yet, that's not how it will be one day when Christ comes back. Um, Remember, all through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus would say multiple times, you know, the last will be first and the first will be last. Or those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's this great reversal that will happen on Judgment Day where... um, where it says they will be acquitted or they will be openly acknowledged. There will be no even small injustice that has been done against especially God's people that will not be laid bare. Um, And the person inflicting it, if they haven't repented and believed in Christ themselves, many have, uh, will have to acknowledge um, that uh, that they were wrong and face a judgment. And so you have this great reversal on judgment day. And, And so that's why... Romans 12 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Uh, All throughout Scripture, the idea is don't don't take matters into your own hands. One day it's going to be sorted out. And so often we are called now to to bear it. Um, It doesn't mean we simply take, you know, if someone's trying to hurt us, we we could defend ourselves and get away. That's not what I'm talking about. But we would face persecution knowing that one day uh, all will be made of right. Um, so as normal as it is now for us to, to bear persecution, be patient, wait in the Lord, uh, all of that will come to an end of one day. We will be open, openly acknowledged, Jesus says in Matthew 10. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the Father who is in heaven. And elsewhere, I'm forgetting the reference here, there's a sense in which we even place some role in the judgment of the nations uh, on judgment day itself and jesus will say to all of those who belong to him well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a little i will set you over much Uh, enter into the joy of your master and so now we experience sort of a a hope deferred of justice and we truly believe it but we bear the persecution now then we have the reality of uh, being uh, I've vindicated in a way that even unbelievers will say, no, that's right. Um, can you see how this affects our life now? This means we could trust in the Lord, bear persecution. Um, be, not because we're sort of walking doormats, but because one day God will vindicate and make all things right. There will be no more injustice in the new heavens and the new earth. And number five, there will be no more death. No more death. Oh, death, where is your victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15. You know, now we, we've been saved from spiritual death. And somebody's, I mean, that's the gospel. That's what we speak of. We've been saved from death, truly. Uh, or, or as we say, the, the death blow has been dealt to death. 
and Satan, but then death will be no more. Uh, The devil and unbelievers and the unrepentant angels, they will be thrown into an eternal lake of fire, far from God's presence, and death will be no more. The final enemy will be defeated. Um, Write that, um, a joy to the world, uh, the the great debated hymn of is it a Christmas hymn or not. Uh, It's a great hymn. And, and it says, far as the curse is found, right, uh, which, which is, permeates everything ever since Genesis 3, far as the curse is found. Uh, it, and, and this means that death itself will be done away with. Number six, uh, no more wavering. No more wavering uh, as believers. It says we'll be made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Right now we sing, and, and, and we love one, another favorite hymn, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It, Prone to Leave the God I Love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We, we need songs like that, that great biblical truth. No, we are prone to wander. We need him to seal us. But we will no longer need to sing in that way in the new heavens and the new earth. We won't be prone to wander. In this life we waver, we doubt, we sin, we wander. Sanctification is doing, doing its work week in and year in and year out, uh, but we still grieve over remaining sin in our lives. But then there will be no remaining sin, no remaining weakness or wandering, uh, no world, flesh, or devil, but we, we will be made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God. Uh, we won't regret like, oh, I wish I could love the Lord the way he wants me to, but we will. We will, we will love him fully to the full. We will be made perfectly blessed face to face with him, 1 Corinthians 13. And again, the full enjoying of God, Psalm 16. You, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And this is to all eternity. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, we will always be with the Lord. Or Psalm 23, of course, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord uh, forever. And so exactly where we began our shorter catechism study, there's still much more catechism to go, but at at the end of this section, and speaking of the end of all things, the beginning of eternity, we we end up where we started. Uh, What is the chief end of man but to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Now the catechism is reminding us that then... We will. We will enjoy him to the full forever. Eternity, when, when I was a kid, eternity used to terrify me. Uh, one, because our brains can't comprehend it. It's something that never ends. Um, and, and the view of heaven that was taught to me was that we'd just be floating around, just sort of uh, singing nebulously and not even un- un- recognize each other. And, and, um, and the adults would be like, and we'll do that forever. I was like, cool. Um, But I think scripture gives us, we don't want to go beyond scripture, but I think it gives us just this richer, that the dwelling place of God will be with man. There's this new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem coming down. Um, The full enjoying of God to all eternity. Our hearts will be cured as it were, but we'll never plumb the depths of how amazing Christ is. There will always be new things we're finding out about him as as we... as we worship him. And so very briefly, how does this affect our life now? We said last week that 
Uh, instead of being so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good, that sometimes is saying we want to be so heavenly minded that we're of the most earthly good. And really this motivates, number one, it motivates our obedience now. Think of Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. It, it says, but as it is, they, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. In other words, Moses and all those who acted by faith, it's because they were longing for the land, the kingdom, the, uh, the new heavens and the new earth to come, that they did these mighty things for the kingdom here and now. There's a connection between the two. Number two, it helps us to fight sin. Helps us to fight uh, sin as we meditate on what is to come. We saw that this morning, even, even meditating on, the, on, the, um, on God's wrath and his coming in, in judgment. And then we meditate and say, wait, I'm going to be acquitted on the day of judgment because of Christ. Uh, but thinking of God and his holiness, it helps us now to say, okay, I want to live to please him. Uh, number three, it helps us live for Christ. As we know where we're going, Christ has gone before us. He's ushering in the new heavens and the new earth. It, it, it motivates us now to live for him. And then as we said before, it helps us to endure persecution, suffering now, because we know that one day all things will be made right again. I think of that, uh, perhaps whether you were homeschooled or went to a, a public or private school, perhaps you know what it feels like or felt like, you know, on, on a Friday, and you know that your parents are picking you up a few hours early that Friday, and you're going to get in the car, and you're going to go on this great trip as a family. And uh, in one sense, it makes it hard to focus, right? <laughs> like, oh, I need to do my math, and I need to get this done. Uh, but it, sometimes it, it, it works that you're, you're so excited. I, I need to get this done because I know it's coming. I know my parents are coming to pick me up. And so I'm going to sit down and get to work and get it done. But I'm going to keep daydreaming about this trip that is to come. And I wonder if that's somewhat of how the Christian life should be. Not that we're just thinking of the future and, and ignoring what's in front of us, but we're so excited about what Christ is doing, what he's going to do, uh, that we just get to work and we say, Lord, use me uh, now today. Uh, but let me pray to that end. Lord, we thank you for uh, the great hope of the gospel uh, that doesn't end at death. Uh, in, in fact, it points us uh, to the new heavens and the new earth, that when Christ comes and ushers in um, paradise for us. I, I thank you for, for this wonderful truth. I thank you that it's ours through Jesus Christ if we have faith in him. I pray that you would motivate us to serve Christ, to fight sin, uh, to be useful for the kingdom now, even as we long for what's to come. Uh, would you uh, bless us here tonight in our church this week? Help us to glorify you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen.